We've got nearly 100 clients inside our private content to clients community with amazing results. And I thought it might be helpful just to share some of the questions that they ask in relation to LinkedIn, sales, marketing, that kind of thing. So I've cherry picked 12 questions directly from our Slack community to show you how I would handle them. Let's jump in. Question one. One of Becky's clients has put a LinkedIn post up about her and working with her and she's asked how best she can utilize this in her content. Firstly, great news on getting the feedback. Client feedback is, you know, it makes you feel good, but it also gives you proof of concept, right? The first thing I would do, especially if this is in text format, is just to screenshot it, like the one I brought up on screen, and turn it into an image with a headline. Pretty simple, you can do this in Canva. Or even better, what I tend to do is invite the high performers onto interviews on Zoom, so a half an hour interview. But I'll also dangle a carrot and give them something in exchange for hopping on to that call. That could be something like a free strategy plan or a roadmap or an audit or whatever it may be, a deliverable of some kind. Then I would chop out the best bits from that interview where they praise yourself, your program, your methods, your deliverables, the service, the experience, etc., and turn that into a 60 to 90 second sort of highlight reel. Question two, Ed's asked about the LinkedIn search function. He's tried to view some lists that he's saved and he's looking for workarounds. Now, LinkedIn only allows a certain number of searches or permits a certain number of searches on the free version of LinkedIn. But there are a couple of ways around this. Firstly, you can buy a premium version of LinkedIn for like 50 to 100 quid a month. We use Sales Navigator. Alternatively, you can start putting people's profile and activity links into spreadsheets or into lists. And that way you can land on the profiles that you want to and bypass the search function at the same time. Aside from that, the final workaround is borrow a friend's login and do the same. Question three, Chris has asked about cleansing his audience because he's getting a lot of unwanted DMs from other content creators, you know, the lead gen specialists of the, of the platform. Um, he's seen another LinkedIn specialist suggest that you should do it and wondered if that was good advice or not. Now for this, I'd say there's no need to cleanse your network at all. Just be very, very careful who you accept and who you actually connect with. LinkedIn only allows you to have 30,000 connections, whereas you can have unlimited number of followers. And you might only have a couple of thousand connections right now. You do wanna be careful with who you connect with. Make sure that whoever you accept is in some way related to you or your industry or your wider interests. If not, we don't accept. Question number four. Dina has asked what tech people use to transcribe their call or their session notes. Great question. So there are lots of tools out there that will use AI to transcribe your sessions into notes, things like Otter and Fathom. However, if you use paid Zoom, which I recommend you do, just click on the summary feature at the bottom of the screen. If you click this button at the start of your Zoom call, it gathers all the information from the call and sends you a summary via email. And the email itself is really easy to read because what Zoom's AI does is break it down into big talking points or topics. Super helpful. I've only found it to have one mistake so far. I've probably transcribed between 10 and 20 calls. Not only that, it also adds a list of next steps at the bottom too. So if you wanna send these notes out to clients or prospects or colleagues, for example, nice and easy and everyone knows what they've got to do. Absolute game changer for me. I've binned off Loom and also it's completely free with paid Zoom. Question number five. Adam's asked about doing impromptu lives on LinkedIn rather than having them scheduled in like two to four weeks in advance. Now I'm a big fan of lives. You can tick so many boxes with them, but I'm also a big fan of having things planned in too. And I don't see any downsides to just hopping on and doing a live without any planning apart from one. If you are doing an impromptu live, 
You don't have the build-up and the promo that's going to allow people to put that in their diaries. However, that's not a massive issue. Imagine just one prospect who's sitting on the fence about potentially working with you sees the impromptu live. They might book that call or make that purchase. So my advice here is to give it a try and test it out versus a few scheduled lives and see what get the best results. Question number six. Dan has asked if people change their clothes if they batch record video content. This question, you might wonder why I'm smiling. That's because this question made me laugh. I do exactly that. I spend five hours ironing and one hour filming. But it's a great shout. If you want to look like you've filmed more content than you have, you can change the backdrop and change your clothes as well. Now, unless you're doing full body, that only means a t-shirt, a hoodie, a t-shirt, and a hoodie kind of thing. You can also change things out like watches and caps just to vary the scene. So what I usually do is film about five videos and then I'll switch it out and then I'll make sure those videos are staggered in terms of when they're scheduled to go out. But, little secret, you don't have to do this. <laughs> no one's paying that much attention. I think the background's important. It's not the be all and end all though. But do remember, ironing is important. Question number seven. Steph has asked when the best time to start a podcast is. Another great question. Now I've got mixed feelings on this because I think anyone that's considering working with you is probably gonna do their due diligence. They're probably gonna do a bit of research into you and your personal brand. And the best thing that people at that stage can see or hear is long form content. It really helps build trust because you wanna indoctrinate them into your world. There's only so much they can relate to you or buy into you with a, a short form piece of content, written, audio, visual, whatever it is. However, the long form will really help nurture that person. But podcasts take a lot of time, a hell of a lot of time if you wanna do them properly. And I see far too many people focusing on making a podcast when they should actually just be focusing on landing the damn clients. Planning, getting guests, editing, promoting is pretty much a full-time job and it's a whole other channel to manage. So rather than just starting a podcast because everyone else is doing one, I recommend doing a LinkedIn Live. Bear with me. You invite your guests to the live and then you leverage their audience. You then build a relationship with them. You download the file, put it on YouTube and also upload it to Spotify for podcasters, which then distributes it across Apple Podcasts and Spotify and boom, you've got a podcast. It doesn't need any editing. Just whack it on there. That's my two cents anyway. Question number eight. Anita's asked about sending messages with connection requests on LinkedIn. Should you do it or not? There are loads of mixed opinions on this one. Personally, I have never sent a message with a connection request. And you might be asking why. I don't like it when people do it to me. I find it a little bit suspicious. It's like they're trying to justify something. Now, there is an argument for personalizing them, but I kind of find that a bit weird too. People just get all het up about shit. Imagine you send 20 connection requests every single day, but you take 20 minutes of time to research each of those 20 people. It's not sustainable. My advice, just send the connection request and crack on. Question number nine. Erwin has asked if I had any tips for his next level of investment. He's generating a couple of really high ticket clients every single month. He's got a VA handling his LinkedIn and he's diving seriously into YouTube and making videos. So the aim for clients of ours is to help them get to a level where they understand the model and then have the opportunity to clone themselves. And what I mean by cloning themselves is investing in help and people that can do and perform tasks for them. So the first level of cloning yourself I would always suggest a VA, someone to take care of admin, and a bookkeeper, someone to keep an eye on the numbers. Because there are so many tasks that we each do in our businesses that we don't actually need to perform ourselves. Yes, they need doing, but they don't need doing by us. So they're the first two hires I would recommend, and they don't have to be full-time employees, you can just outsource to freelancers. But after that, I recommend hiring someone to help with delivery. 
either a client success manager, project manager, or an account manager. Someone that can take care or manage some of the lower client requirements. After that, I recommend someone to help with marketing in some form, a writer, designer, video editor, etc., etc. Something that just takes the pressure off you having to consistently deliver marketing materials day in, day out, because it's hard. Then, sales. I would always recommend removing yourself from the sales part of the process last. One, because it's a small list, and two, because you're probably gonna be able to sell it much better than anyone else can. Question number 10. Brian's asked, has anyone had any resistance from recording sales calls? And I get asked this question quite a lot. Now, firstly, I wanna say that you should record every sales call you have. If you're not doing that, that's the first point. Because you can review them regularly and then start to improve them. You'll spot flaws and you'll also spot things that work really well too. But there will be times when a prospect resists. Not every person wants to have their conversation with you recorded. Now, it's only happened to us twice. But when it does happen, it's no biggie. All I would do is explain that the recording is just for internal use only and ask if they want you to turn it off. This will probably happen like one in 40, one in 50 times, so don't sweat it. Question number 11. Kate has asked if you should do LinkedIn engagement on a Sunday or if that's a really bad idea. LinkedIn engagement on the weekend. Should you do it? Absolutely. People scroll social media on the weekends just like they do on the weekdays. Arguably, even more. Plus, lots of other creators don't post on the weekends. So that means the barrier to entry is even lower, meaning you have less competition out there, so there's more opportunity. Some of my best performing posts have been on the weekends simply because there is less competition around. So in answer to Kate's question, I would not take the weekends off, so long as whatever you're doing is actually sustainable. And finally, question number 12. Katie's asked what the best length and format for LinkedIn videos are. Any size constraints? Videos are a big one for me. They build a lot more trust than any other content format. And LinkedIn are definitely pushing them more too. So we post short form, up to like 60 seconds, and we post longer form, like six to 12 minutes. We even post our YouTube videos directly onto LinkedIn natively, and they get great reactions. So in terms of length and in terms of format, there really isn't a right answer. You can post portrait or landscape. All I would say is you need to keep the message concise and have a really good hook at the start, which you then actually deliver on. So don't tell people you're gonna make them a millionaire in eight seconds if you're not capable of doing it. Don't waste any time saying hello or hi guys, just checking in, how's your Friday? Jump in straight away and tell them exactly what they're gonna get by watching this video. But as I say, there's no right answer. You wanna experiment between portrait and landscape. I prefer consuming a landscape video, but obviously portrait takes up much more of the screen if someone's watching on a mobile. But my preference is landscape, even though there's no justification for that whatsoever. So I hope that was helpful, guys. If you want to download my high-performance LinkedIn content planner for free, you can go to my featured section on my LinkedIn profile, or you can hit the link underneath this video. Alternatively, if you want to find out more about how we help coaches, consultants, creatives, agency owners, people in the finance space, and pretty much just small business owners as a whole win more clients using organic content on LinkedIn, you can watch this video here if you're on YouTube. Alternatively, head to my featured section on my LinkedIn profile and there are tons of free resources there too.